The Bible teaches the amazing truth. The amazing truth that in the first century AD, God came to earth and he lived among us. And he lived like God, meaning he was perfect. He never was petty, never gossiped, never was bitter, cruel, greedy. But he is totally holy and good. And of course, I'm talking about Jesus, who lived a perfect life. But if that is all Jesus did, if all Jesus did was live a perfect life, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know how God feels about me, about you, in a relationship with us. I mean, if, if God is perfect, does God want a relationship with a flawed, imperfect person like me? Does God care about me? Does God love me? Does God want a relationship with me? Well, here is the good news. When God came to earth, he did more than just live a perfect life. He did more than die on the cross and rise again. When God came to earth, he verbally spelled out how he feels about flawed people like me and you. As God in the flesh, Jesus spelled out how much he, God, loves me and cares about me and wants to have a relationship with people like me and you. But not only did Jesus just make truth statements about God's love for people like me, Jesus also communicated this truth in a method designed to get past my hard heart and all its defenses against truth like this. He did it in a method that was designed to reach me in the most personal and powerful way possible. Jesus told a story. And the story goes like this. There was once a father with two sons. This father loved his kids. He showered gifts of kindness upon his kids so that they had everything they could possibly need and much more. But something began to happen in the heart of the younger son. He became restless. He had everything at home except the one thing he really wanted. He wanted to be free. He wanted independence from the boundaries of home. He wanted the freedom where he could stop living to please his father and start living to please himself. If he could just leave his father, then he could have some fun. If he could just get away from home, then he could be with the people he really wanted to be with. Friends who would party with him all day long. Lovers who would please him all night long. People who really knew how to live the good life. But of course, he knew that the good life wasn't cheap. He needed money and lots of it. And he had a plan of how to get it. So he went to his father and said, Father, I'm leaving you and I am never coming back. Listen to that. I am never coming back. In fact, when I leave this home and the boundaries of this home, you might as well just consider me dead because I'm considering you dead. In fact, since I consider you dead, I want my inheritance now. That was the plan. It was a simple plan, but it was not a painless plan. It certainly wasn't a painless plan for this father. The son knew how much this would hurt the heart of his father. And sure enough, he could see his father's eyes well up 
with tears. The son knew not only how much this would hurt his father, but how it would humiliate his father in the eyes of the whole world. He knew that families like his didn't keep their wealth in a bank. No, all his father's wealth was in land and livestock and assets. And so to honor his son's inheritance demand, the father would have to put up half of his goods and real estate up for sale or auction. And a fire sale like this would, <laughs> it would cause a big stir in the community. Uh, everyone would know the scandal that this father had been rejected by his son, dishonored by his child. But the son knew that his father would do it. He knew his father would absorb all that hurt and humiliation because he knew his father would never hold his child home against his will. And so the father, hanging his head low, gave his son the money. And that boy took the cash without saying thank you, without saying goodbye, bounced out the door, counting his money and laughing over the fact that he was finally free. And this young man got the party started. He had friends who saw his pockets bulging with money and they were there to help him spend it. The first month was party, party, party. Second month, party, party, party. The third, fourth, fifth month, the same thing. For a year, this young man satisfied his every whim. But amidst all the pleasure, he began to notice something disturbing. He noticed that he wasn't finding everything that he was looking for. Oh yeah, he found plenty of parties, but he never found that all-time best ever party that he was looking for. He never was finding the deep happiness that he longed for. He also noticed that the second month was less fun than the first month, and that the third month was less fun than the second. And he noticed that you know, he needed bigger and bigger thrills to just get to the pleasure that he had the month before. And he noticed that his needs were not getting met. In fact, his needs were just getting bigger. He'd set his heart on a purchase that he knew would make him happy. He'd get it, be happy for a week, and then he was looking for something else. He'd set his passions on a girl, but soon his feelings would fade and he needed someone else. And already he could look behind him and see a trail of discarded toys and ruined relationships behind him. And then came the crash. It seemed like the fun would never end until it did. The economy seemed unstoppable until it stopped. His investments seemed so rock solid. How could they just vanish into thin air? When the famine devastated his region, he was knocked down. But he was not defeated. After all, he'd been partying with the same crowd for a long time now. He had friends. He had options. He knew people who knew people. So he started working his contacts. Uh, he knocked on the doors of his best friends who listened to his desperation, smiled, and turned away. He looked for up his party pals, but they were not to be found. He contacted his associates, but they wouldn't return his calls. And as he knocked on door after closed door, he went from fretful to fearful to absolutely frantic. He was at the bottom of his list. 
He didn't have any more options. He was alone. He was sick. And he was starving to death. In panic, he followed a sign that promised work. And it led to an offer for a job that was the lowest, dirtiest, most humiliating job he could think of. Feeding, snorting, smelly pigs. But he was desperate, so he took the job. And he was standing knee-deep in slop, looking at the garbage that he was feeding the pigs and wanting to eat it when he came to his senses. Yeah. He came to his senses. He thought about his father. He thought about home. He thought about how the workers in his father's house lived like kings compared to the way he was living now among the pigs. If there were any other option, he would grab it. But there was no other option. He had to go home. But how could he? He remembered how he had hurt his father, how he had humiliated his father, how he had shown love for his father's money and hate for his father himself. But home was his only hope. Maybe, maybe his father would hire him. Yeah, he could never be a son again, but maybe his father would hire him as a servant. And so he started home. And he decided that when he saw his father, he would fall on the ground, confess his shame, and beg for a job. Over and over, he rehearsed a little speech. He had to get it right. Here's the speech. Father, I have sinned before heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. Please, I beg you, take me back as one of your workers. Again, again, and again, he practiced it. I have sinned before heaven, before you. I'm not worthy to be your son. And just take me back, I beg you, as a worker. Finally, he came to the part of the road where he could see his home in the distance. And he was filled with dread and fear. He braced himself for the shame that he knew he deserved. But what was that coming toward him? It was a person who had just left the front porch of the house and was coming toward him. Not just coming, that person was running. And as he kept looking, his confusion turned into open-mouthed amazement. It was his father, his father running out to him. And as he sprinted toward him, he actually got close enough where he could start his speech. Father, I have sinned before heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. And that's as far as he got. Because the father swallowed up his swine-smelling son in a massive embrace. The father's arms flew wide and engulfed him. And then he embraced his son and kissed his son and began to weep and laugh at the same time. And in that embrace and in that kiss, this son knew everything he needed to know. He knew that every day that father had been on the front porch scanning the horizon for his return, that every day his father had been weeping and longing for his return, that every day his father was looking and was ready to run and run and run into those, that 
open-armed embrace to welcome his son home. The father put his arm around the son. They started heading back to the home, weeping and laughing. He called out to his servants, my son is home, my son is home. So bring him the best robe, bring sandals for his feet, bring him the ring that empowers him as a full heir, my fully restored son who can buy and sell on my account. And the son knew that all these symbols meant that he would never be a worker for his father. He would never be a servant who had to earn his way back into the family. His father would not let him think that for one second. Not one second would he let his son think that he was going to earn his forgiveness. Not for one second would he let his son think that he first had to clean himself up in order to be embraced and accepted. Now, the father's embrace and kiss was an unconditional love and acceptance. No promises of good behavior, no strings attached. As soon as the father kissed him, that son was fully, fully restored and loved and adored as his child. But there's more because next the father called out, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate because this child of mine was dead and is now alive. Let's celebrate because this child of mine was lost and now is found. So kill the fatted calf. Kill the fatted calf and call everyone in the community. Let's get together. Let's have a banquet. Let's celebrate. Let's laugh. Let's sing. Let's dance like we're in a party like you've never seen. And so they started the homecoming celebration. And in the midst of all the joy of the banquet, this child who was lost and was found thought to himself, this is the party that I was looking for. This is the all-time best ever party, the one that I wanted. Everything that I was looking for and could never find is right here with my father. And this is a party that will never end. This is the story that Jesus told. You can read about it. It's right there in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. This is the story Jesus told about how God feels about you. God is the father in this story, and God is a a father who loves you, who longs for a relationship with you, who is looking for your return and will run out to welcome you home if you just turn around. How does God feel about you? He's dying to be with you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how long you've been away or how unworthy you feel or how dirty you are. If you will just turn around, God is a father who will be running out to embrace you and kiss you and celebrate you with the party of your life. The father is calling you home even if you're here today and you've never felt a connection with God. You know, maybe you think, that Jesus' story here doesn't apply to you because you were never home in the first place. No, no, no. See, see, Jesus' story is for you. It's Jesus' message to you. And the reason we know that is because if you look at the uh, beginning of, uh, of the story in Luke chapter 15, you'll find that Jesus is uh, addressing this story to two groups. 
And the first and largest group is a, a group that Luke calls uh, the tax collectors and sinners, which is Bible shorthand for people who did not think of themselves as God's children at all. So if you've never felt at home with God, then this message is for you. Maybe you're here for the first time. Maybe you're here for months. Maybe you don't know why you're here. I think I know. Someone loves you. That's why you're here. You're here because someone knows you're at the bottom of your list of options. And that someone is calling you home. If you think about it, you can identify with this guy who ran out of options. You can identify with this guy who went after what he wanted, got it, and could never find what he was looking for. Through this story, Jesus is whispering to you, trust me, you'll never find what you're looking for until you find yourself in me. You can chase money, but you won't find what you're looking for. You can chase pleasure and relationships, but you won't find what you're looking for because you are created to have a relationship with your creator. And you won't find what you're looking for until you find yourself in a relationship with me. So come home to the place you've always wanted and you've been secretly longing for. You don't need to clean yourself up first. Just come home. You don't need to beg your way back. You don't need to make promises of payback because Jesus has already paid it for you. You know, in, the, in Jesus' story, the father is willing to pay the price. Uh, in Jesus' story, the father is willing to absorb all the hurt and rejection and humiliation out of his love for his child. But really, the father in this story is Jesus referring to himself. Jesus was humiliated on the cross so that you could be the father's forgiven child. Jesus was rejected on the cross so that you could be accepted into the father's house. The father's arms open wide through the cross of Jesus. And all you have to do is accept this gift of his forgiveness and follow him home. But I mentioned at the beginning of the story that it's a story about a father and two sons. We didn't get to the part of the story, which is about the second son, the older son. That will be next week. The older son represents the second group that Jesus was speaking to when he told the story. The older brother was the religious people who loved following the rules, but really didn't love the father. They were just as far away as the rebellious younger brother. Because you know that while the father and his young son were celebrating, there was somebody who was not happy about the party. Actually, there are two characters in this story that Jesus told who were not happy about the father's celebration. The first character who was against the father's celebration was the fatted calf. The... Uh, <laughs> The fatted calf said, whoa, 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 is anybody considered a festive salad bar? How much fun that would be. The second character uh, who was against the party was the older brother. And maybe you have met some of these people. 
In fact, maybe these people are part of the reason why you haven't come home to this point. You see these people and you think that if a relationship with God means being sour and joyless and being against everything and judging everybody, then you don't want a relationship with God. And maybe you think that God is just like these older brothers. And if so, you'd rather stay with the pigs. But it's not true. In this story, Jesus shows how God feels about you. And it's not a grouchy older brother. God is not hard-hearted or a taskmaster. God is a father who loves you and wants to be with you and calls you home with tears in his eyes. But Jesus just didn't tell this story uh, to people who had no connection with God. No, no, no. Because this story is all about a child who once had a close relationship with his father at home, but who wandered away and now feels too dirty and too soiled to come back and feels afraid to come back. Maybe that is you today. Maybe you are a Christ follower. You're someone who loves God, but you're not so sure whether God loves you. You're not so sure how God feels about you. I mean, after all, you fail him all the time. You've squandered all the gifts that he's given you. And today, you feel guilt over what you've done. You feel guilt about what you don't do. You've wandered away, and you'd like to come home, but you're not sure you're wanted or welcome. In this story, Jesus wants you to know how God feels about you. The Father loves you and wants you to come home more than anything. And it's so important to see how in this story, the Father does not want you to clean up first before you come home. Don't even think, the Father says in this story, about trying to work your way back. The Father won't hear of it. Just come home and you will be fully restored as his adored child. In this story, Jesus whispers to you, just come home. Every day the Father has been looking for you. Every day he's waiting to run out to embrace you with arms open wide. Every day he longs to embrace you. No questions asked. No strings attached. No promises required. No payback accepted. All the Father wants you back in his arms. The father will rejoice and rock heaven with the shout, my child has come home. My child who was dead is now alive. My child who was lost is found. Let's celebrate. Let the party begin. God just wants you, just a relationship with you. Nothing else matters more than that. So come home. This is not my idea. This is what God himself said when he came to earth in the person of Jesus. God came personally to tell you this story about a father who runs out to embrace his returning child because this is how God feels about you.
I'm going to ask the band to come out again because we're, they're going to lead us in a song. Uh, and at the beginning of this song, I'd like you just to stay seated uh, because, uh, you know, you can sing along, but mainly let God reach out to you through the, the lyrics of this song as you reflect on the meaning of this song. And then at one point, John will invite you to stand up and, uh, and sing it out uh, in celebration. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this story. Thank you for not just stating it uh, in a truth message that you, uh, you love us and you care about us. No, you went to a, a method designed to get past all our defenses and to reach us with power in a personal way through a story that's our story, the story you have with your heart and ours. So Lord, we pray that you would um, speak to us in a personal way right now and draw us home. Amen. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.